right, this is Getting Divorce Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. For all those new listeners to our podcast, welcome. I'm an attorney and mediator in New York City. I do this podcast out of my office in Grand Central. I also write and talk about divorce strategy at gettingdivorce.org. My hope is to help more people get divorced. I I was a child of divorce and I think about my personal situation where I came home when I was eight years old, my stay-at-home mom, and she she just like left our family and she made a bad choice. Obviously, she was in a lot of pain, a lot of stress, but I wish she would have some resources out there besides just calling a divorce attorney that could help her make better decisions under stress. It's not necessarily making better decisions when you're not stressed. You know, when you can think about things, when you're in a collaborative divorce, we're dealing with a a difficult divorce where you're stressed and and I don't care how smart you are, when you are triggered, emotionally charged, it's difficult under pressure. All right, we have two main sections. We do divorce news and questions. Questions, people send in messages to us, like a voice message, and we answer the question to the best of our abilities here on the podcast. So let's move to our first episode Oh, our first section of our episode, divorce news. There's an article on Forbes.com by two ladies, Kelly Frawley, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Emily Pollack, two attorneys, divorce attorneys, titled Four Things Every Woman Business Owner Should Know About Divorce. Before I get into the substance of the article, I found just how they indexed or categorized the article was interesting because it's not under divorce strategy. It's under leadership strategy. And I guess a divorce attorney in a divorce is sort of a leader, a North Star for a lot of people. So maybe that's what Forbes is thinking about. But basically what they're saying is, you know, going through a divorce is difficult for everyone, but a certain subset of people, specifically business owners, have it rough because businesses could get valued in the divorce and then they would have to pay out that value or part of that value at a future income. They don't have the, the assets now. And what they're saying is, you know, historically, women have done more of the homework, more of the childcare, more of the social life. And that balance of power was fine. The man would have that business. He would put his energies into the business and she would traditionally do more of you know the non-business matters and that was fair but here women are doing now more of the non-business matters and now more of the business matters and it's very rough so what happens and of course they they first talk about a prenuptial agreement which makes it easier because you can decide what to do with your business but if we're listening to this podcast and we're interested in this issue we don't have a prenuptial agreement Right. And what I would suggest people to do who are in this situation, it's not really talked about in the article, but you really have to do significant pre divorce planning. Significant pre divorce planning. That's something you should probably talk to to your attorney because the judge is just going to take a snapshot of what's happening now. And another example, let's say, and I just recently had a client like this who made great money, but wants to become an author, first time author, no big advance. But that's what he did. He's just not happy working in this big environment, making big money, too stressful for him. He wants out. But if he gets a divorce right away, the judge is not going to let him become an author. They're going to make child support, maintenance, everything based on what he does now. So if he really wanted to change his lifestyle, which is fine if you're in a marriage, you could do that. 
He's going to have to have many years where he could show that he had a much reduced income before the court would actually believe that this was anything other than a ploy to try to cheat out their spouse. Courts are attuned to this. But in this article, they focus on the equitable distribution law, which is in a lot of states, which gets into a contribution analysis that the marriage is deemed like an economic partnership. And there's direct contributions like, you know, childcare or these active contributions to a business. And they say that, you know, the courts are moving away from a 50-50 distribution of businesses because they understand the active nature of value. But they also highlight some interesting issues. Let's say you have a business and your spouse is working in your business, but is receiving under market compensation. That can be a factor the court uses to increase that percentage because for all those years, they were basically should have been paid market rates. They didn't. There was some arrangement between you two, but now that you're getting divorced, that person should be compensated for all that active energy they put in your business. Likewise, if you have a spouse who has helped with business development, business marketing, those are indirect contributions. And if they really show, if they could show that they really have grown your business, then that could be another factor the court can use to give a closer to equal distribution of the business. One thing that I thought were maybe conversation points is they say that business owners have flexibility with time. And they're using this in another context. Uh, They're saying, well, you know, you have a business, you have flexibility with time. They also say that if you're working from home, because you can work from home if you have a business, that you might have a preference in a custody case. The theory is in a lot of states, they resolve custody, best interest of the child. The best interest of the child is an available parent. So if you have a one parent who is never around working 90 hours a week and the other parent is available, you know, everything else being relatively equal, that could be a factor that could persuade a court to award one party primary custody. The only thing I see in that is If you have a successful business, it's sort of, I don't think totally true that you have all this free time. And the old joke people say, you know, in my law practice, people say, why do you like to, you know, be on your own? They say, well, I like the independence. I like maybe going to the movies. You know, that's what, that's what I, that's what I do. And I want to be in a firm. They say, well, in the past 20 years, you've had your firm. How often have you been to the movies? And the answer obviously is never. But the point is I can't. And that's the truth about having a business. If you have a long-term business, it's very demanding and most successful people are fully booked up. On the other hand, there is some flexibility, maybe coming in early, you can adjust your schedule, stay in later, depending if you're a morning person or an evening person. But the reality is you don't have so much free time. All right. So let's move to the divorce question of our episode. It's from A.G. who asks, my spouse and I physically separated two years ago. We are now starting the divorce process, starting the divorce process. She left behind some things that will not remove them, even though I asked. What do you suggest? Okay, so this is an interesting question, A.G., because it depends on if a divorce action started or didn't start. So my first answer to this question is let's assume there's no divorce action. You just separated. They left behind them things in the home. And now you don't want those things anymore in your home. You want them out. You want to move on with your life. This makes sense to me. 
Now, let's assume the items are of little to no value, maybe just emotional value. Uh, in that case, you know, obviously you want to be very reasonable in the time. You might want to give 30 days, I would say at least notice. You want to make sure, and this is a big one, if it ever gets, you know, goes to blows in front of a court, that there's some type of acknowledgement or confirmation that the other side got receipt of this notice that they have to remove their stuff or it's going to be discarded. Uh, I would also do a follow-up, even if you can have the confirmation that they've received it, just to give them a follow-up because you want to look like a white knight in this and you did everything right. And the other side, just whatever, whatever reason, just was lazy about it and they lost their property. But the court's going to probably say, if it goes, is that they abandoned their property. It gets a little bit more complicated, though, if a divorce action started. Because in that case, and I'm assuming you would have an attorney and something you want to talk about, is some states have what we call here in New York automatic orders, which prevents you from disposing of marital property, even marital property of little to no value, like literally like an old vacuum cleaner. That's marital property. And if you discard it, the other side, they're playing hardball. They can make a motion for contempt or violation of that automatic orders, make you look bad in front of the court. Of course, we're only fighting about a $200 or not even $200, $20 vacuum cleaner. But the point is, if everything else is equal and that's, that's all they can focus on, that might be enough to persuade the judge to rule on other issues in the other side's favor. That's what we're talking about difficult divorces, where people are spending thousands of dollars on motion practice over a $20 vacuum cleaner. That's a difficult divorce, obviously, because there's a lot of emotional charge to everything. Okay. So my safe bet is, again, if it's before the commencement, just really make sure there's notice, confirmation of notice, follow-up. And if it's an action commence, then you might want to be super safe that you're not violating any rules. One thing I did see before is let's say they confirm it. Oh, yes, you know, I'll, I'll pick it up. No problem. I can't believe I forgot about it. Something like that. And then they don't do anything, right? They're just sort of stringing you along. In that case, I would recommend giving them another 30 days after the initial, just to say follow-up, say, you know, you did say you're going to pick it up, or maybe even two weeks, but give them a little bit more time so if it ever goes before court, they can see you're being as reasonable as possible. Okay, so I hope, AG, that works out for you. Okay, some quick announcements. We've made some changes as we evolve this podcast, as we evolve gettingdivorced.org. We moved from Squarespace, where our website has been for the past few years, our host, to Substack, because I think it provides a little bit more engagement. And I just feel it's really easy to publish pieces on there and not focus so much on the design. On Squarespace, I found you really had to have, even though it is simple compared to coding, there is a cottage industry of hiring designers. So I think Substack is making it really easy for people to focus on what we do best, which is obviously divorce leadership, divorce strategy, and not what we need to hire other people to do, which is basically to maintain a website. It's also going to host our podcast, and we're going to send out a monthly newsletter Everything on there is free. The podcast is free and the newsletter is free. Uh, so I hope you can get on there and check. We do have a little bit more show notes on the website. And we also are going to have on the website a section just for the questions from the podcast with video of me answering the questions, if you prefer. And we're also going to have the transcript just of the questions 
on that website. We also started a Twitter account. I'm not really into social media personally, but I do think it might be nice to maybe regularly publish our newsletter on there just to get more people familiar with some of the thoughts that we have about how to get divorced without losing your mind. I want to move to a section where I give people appreciation. If you are going through a difficult divorce, you know, I think a lot of what I do professionally is really divorce coaching. And I think that's a big thing out there for people who just are going through stress. You know, you don't have to necessarily have that divorce coaching with a highly paid divorce attorney. That's why there's resources here. There's also these wonderful, I think these divorce support groups. Maybe you can find one of those, you know, just going through things where people have similar experiences than you. If you just need to have that type of support, hear people's perspectives, I think that could be very helpful. There's also obviously a lot of therapists who work in these areas. Doesn't have to be just specialized in divorce, but any type of trauma that you're dealing with, you can even do it from your home, uh, which is great. So I, I do appreciate, but for people who are in battling, who are having some difficulty and they're frustrated, I really hope you have a trusted advisor. That's the most important thing. You have to really trust your attorney. And if you have doubts, I would suggest getting a second opinion. A lot of times the frustration could just be about the system. For example, in the pandemic, uncontested divorces are now taking over a year in some busier areas. So, you know, trials, you could have a trial, for example, and you might not get a decision for two years in a difficult divorce. You might go for a pretrial conference and the court might not even schedule the actual trial for over a year. So it's really a slowdown. I hope things do change if things do change after the pandemic. But I know there's been a lot of people who are having a lot of problems during this transition time. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Corey Shapiro. Until next time. Mm-hmm.